You are listening to the Relax Running Podcast. Today's podcast is a little bit different. No, I'm not Tyson Popplestone. I'm instead Jessica Popplestone, his wife. And I, it was a pleasure for me to interview Tyson today just to give you guys, um, his listeners, a little bit more of an insight into him and some of the things that motivate him around running. Often our conversation overlapped into just talking about life and Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about running is that it's something that you can apply a lot of um, what you learn in running to your everyday life and goals just generally. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that we had. Um, To be honest, I'm no interviewer, um, so I'm sorry about the the really terribly, um, you know, what's the word you've been really harsh at on me. yourself I, I just i'm not very good at formulating questions or ideas as you can tell from this intro well, can don't we start tell, again no don't tell them okay. that at the start because now everyone's going to switch off and not be interested oh can i tell them about my sponsors yes okay just quickly have you finished sure yeah your questions were good by the way guys don't listen to that enjoy the podcast you be the judge of how jesse went this episode once again is sponsored by precision hydration now andy blow is the creator of precision hydration he created precision hydration in the uk to help you come up with a specific hydration plan for you this is the beauty of precision hydration they're not about just generic advice where hey if you drink this drink you'll run really fast they want to know about your sweat type and your sweat volume if you want to get started with a sweat test which is free with a sweat expert from precision hydration click the link in my bio from there once they recommend any products to you you guys are going to get a 15 percent discount from precision hydration for your first purchase by using the coupon code relaxed 15 that's Relaxed, capitals, R-E-L-A-X-E-D, 15. Every link that you need is in the show notes. Jesse has the headphones in. He's telling me my voice is way too loud, so I hope that wasn't too brutal for you. Guys, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy this conversation with myself and the lovely Jessica Popplestone. be really cool to uh, do something a bit different this week and as someone who knows Tice pretty well I thought it would be great to you know turn the tables a little bit and have someone interview Tice so hi everyone I'm Jessie I put up with Tice on a regular oh, basis here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I get the pleasure of being Tyson's wife it's always a fun adventure with Tice and um, yeah we thought it would be pretty cool if Actually, I think it was my idea, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was your idea. I feel like I have to just This was my idea. So if it's whole... bad, you can blame me. <laughs> Unless it's my answers that are rubbish, the questions that are great yeah, yeah. and my answers just suck. Oh, goodness. So I'm going to interview Tice today and just ask him a little bit about running, where he's come from, what it's taught him. Um, I just thought it would be cool to hear some of his ideas. Um, he's the man behind Relax Running. I'm the woman behind Relax Running. <laughs> a lot of the time I don't do a lot compared to him. Just but all the social media. Oh, just don't say that because it's terrible. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of social media going on, but I try. But yeah, I just wanted to ask Tice a few questions about running today. So are you ready, Tice? Ready I'm, re- the- I'm ready to go. I thought it'd be cool just to find, like, so we were, we're down in Trogan right now. And yesterday I was sitting in the backyard chilling out, just having a chat to Jesse about what podcast I was going to post this week. Because yes. I'm supposed to, I was supposed to have a, an American guy, babe, called Tom Schwartz. And <clears throat> there was just a clash with our schedule. So it didn't get a chance. And every now and then... 
as I'm sure anyone who's ever dipped their toes in the water of doing a podcast would know, it's like, oh crap, I don't have a podcast for Monday. Yeah. Well, the truth was I did, but your idea was don't use the one that I have right now, but how about we flip the uh, flip the interview and you just do what you said yeah, you were about to do. change and, it up a bit. Yeah, so like from your perspective, why did you think that would be a good idea? Oh, that's a great question. Why are you asking me questions Sorry. already? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I think a lot of people probably don't know the mind behind, well, I just, I want to delve into a little bit of why you love running because it is a passion for you and it's something that ever since I've known you, I've known you for 15 14 years, going on 14 14 years. You've liked me for 14, I've liked you for 15. That's another podcast. No, stop. (laughs) Um, But just as someone who I know loves, breathes, you know, you live running, you Mm. love running and it'd be interesting to get everyone, you know, everyone else to hear a little bit of why. So, I mean, the first question I have for you is when you, when did you start running? Yeah. Okay. So we're straight into it. Yeah, straight straight into it. That's good. So I started running in 2000 and... Actually, my first national cross-country championships was in the year 2000, and that happened because I was a footballer all the way up until the year 2000, all the way up, like I was 14 until at the time. Until you were 14, <laughs> your career was going somewhere. My career was going really well. And then I realized that at about 14, all the footballers just got bigger. My mates started to get massive. I hadn't got any bigger. And because I was spending a lot of time just doing fitness stuff, I, I noticed I'd started to thin out a little bit more. And I was just a little stick figure. So I thought, mate, there's no chance I'm just going to focus on footy. So I started to delve a little bit into the running side of things. At the footy club, I was always doing pretty well um, with the time trials and with the training sessions. And I just had the reputation at the club of being like the the guy who could just run out of game really well. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, in the year 2000, I entered like the national, uh, sorry, the state champs over in Perth which was a 3K cross-country race. I knew nothing about it, and I went out and, and won the race. And that was the first time I was like, holy crap, Like that's the most success I've ever had at sport with so little, not effort, but so little attention paid to the sport. Yeah. And then later that year, I ran my first national cross-country, and that was pretty much the foundation for it. I thought, okay, that's a pretty good place to start your running career from. Maybe I've got like a little bit more opportunity to do well in this sport than I do in footy. Interesting. So am I right in saying sort of that it grew out of a passion well, you were just good at it like quite early um, and didn't realise it. But I think it sounds like, from what I understand, you were a bit of a late developer when it came to athletics. So maybe some of your friends were getting big and muscly and you were still a little scrawny kid. So that probably <laughs> yeah. set you apart in the running scene. Yeah, you'd probably still argue I'm a little scrawny kid <laughs> now. I'm 33. Not so much. Um, pretty much, babe. So I reckon um, it's sort of hard. It's weird when you're a kid, I think, because... When I was in primary school, I remember getting my ass kicked at, at school cross country and school running. And I've got one of my good mates who lives in Perth now, Chopper, who, who you know very well. And Chopper is a, a footballer. He's always been into fitness, but like by anyone's standards, he's not a he's not a great distance runner. And I remember getting smoked by him in like a school cross country when we were in grade six or seven. So it was weird. It doesn't seem to be something that was natural necessarily supernatural to me but I just don't know whether it was not natural because I hadn't really delved into it I hadn't done a lot of training to just bring out what was sort of lying dormant and as you delved into it more and more you had more and more success exactly exactly and I feel like it was one of those sports that it's just as anyone who listens to this podcast knows probably because they're involved in the running sport it seems to be one of those sports that it rewards you to the extent of the effort that you put in but I think it, it's a weird dynamic. Like you can get sucked into that because I got super obsessed with it. And I was like, all right, the more I train, the better. Like as yeah. long as I just train more and harder and faster than everyone else, the better I'll be. But I always say that I don't think Craig Mottram trained any harder than me when he was at his peak running his best 5K times. The difference was he had like a genetic ability 
which allowed him to to get to where he was. So I was always, I think at the start, I was obsessed with just doing more and, and trying to get Doesn't more. Doesn't sound like you. <laughs> just to try and get more training done. And then as I got further into the career, and I, I would like to use the word matured a little bit, I, uh, I, I started to notice that it wasn't a direct correlation between just doing more running and training and an improvement in performance. Mm. So I, I started to try and just tinker with the training process a little bit there and figure out how to adjust it to get my, uh, you know, the most out of myself. Sounds good. So it sounds like you're really attracted to it because you did well at it. Um, but do you think, like, I know you're a very competitive person with every, a lot of things. I want to argue um, this point. Everyone says this. You are. I, okay. Tice, I, I disagree. You, 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 I mean, with certain things, you want to be good at it. And I think it's almost ingrained in you. If you met Tyson's family, you'd understand his dad's very competitive, played very, you know, played football at a high level. And you've grown up with that sort of competitive kind of, um, it's like, it's almost like, do you think it's inbuilt in you or is it something that your family has fostered over time or like, where does that competitiveness come from when it comes to sport? Cause I know you, I know you're not very good at like, you couldn't do a sport. Well, at the moment you're sorry, I'll, I'll retract. You are doing golf for a bit of, as a bit of a hobby, uh-huh. but usually if you're going to put your mind to playing a sport, you only do it competitively. You, the thought of playing social football to you is just like hell because you're like, no, I want to, I want to play really well and I want to get up there and work my way up. Like I feel like you're very competitive in that sense. Yeah. Um, you want to, whatever you, maybe it's just a Ticey thing. Whatever you want to put your mind, whatever you put your mind to, you want to do well at, which is really great. But is that something that you think you got from your dad or from your, from your uncles or the people around you? Or is it something that you've had from an early age? I, I bet you it's a combination of both of those things. The, the true answer is I have yeah. no idea. Like, it's a really good question, but it's so hard to answer, isn't I it? Like because it's not a very good question. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so good watching you. How do some... you know? How no. do you know whether you were competitive when you no, were No, it, it is a good question. Yeah. It's, um, because I remember as a young kid, like I used to... One of my best mates on the planet, Jocker, like he is, um, he's a competitive guy as well. So I know that when there's certain things that we used to do together that I, I knew he wanted to beat me at, it like lit something in me to make me want to beat them even more. So yes. I feel like a lot of my competitive competitiveness is in a response to people. Like when I know someone really wants to beat me, yes. that makes me want to beat them even more. Oh, like but if it's a social, yes, a great example. It was exactly what was in my mind. Um, yeah. Or if it was the, the guru's wife who, so the guru has been a member on this podcast, uh, his girlfriend, sorry. She's a, a, turns out to be a freak of a table tennis player, but not very competitive. So it was almost an honor to get my ass handed to me from her. <laughs> because, yes. So it is, it is really interesting. I, I definitely think that there's a part of my personality, which is, okay, if I want to do something, I want to do it really well. And I, I think, honestly, I, I would say that I'm a lot more competitive against myself most of the time than I am against other people. I'm, yeah, this isn't always true. And I know you could call me on that because I I do get competitive when I see someone doing well in areas that I want to do well in. But I think if I boiled it down and was honest with myself and was really trying to unlock or just discover what it was that was driving me so much, it's probably the fact that I'm trying to improve from from where I was yesterday. That's great. Jordan Peterson, what's his quote? I was going to say, that's a great life tip, isn't it? To compare yourself to where you were yesterday rather than to where someone else is today. Exactly the quote I was going to say. And that's the motto that I'm trying to live by, not successfully all the time. Yes, great. That's awesome. So what do you think? Okay, this is a big question. I was, you know, and as you think about it, there's probably a lot more that you won't say here, but what has the sport or the love of running taught you for life? Like not necessarily just when it comes to sports and athletics, but what has running taught you? If you had to, um, 
really boil it down like because I think it's not running is not just a physical thing especially for you I know that it's a mindfulness thing it's something that you know if Tyus doesn't run you don't want to be around him because <laughs> he needs it he needs it um trust me as someone who knows Tyus what well, do you mean by that um I just mean like for example if it just happened to be a week where you couldn't run because maybe you had a back injection like, on Monday like um last Monday <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't run for a week you might be a little more irritable than usual and less patient I'm not having a go I'm just saying it's a fact um but so for you, like, what has running taught you? It's t- probably taught you a lot of things, right? Yeah, just de- generally. Definitely. Well, I think anyone who's been listening to this show for a while would know that we've just had our, our little man, Charlie's three and a half month, 14 weeks. And one of the things that I'm really keen to get him into is is, is some competitive sport. This poor kid, just saying. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to be, be that kind <laughs> we of... We try not to be too hard on him, but we're like, you're going to do this, this, yes, this, this. I know, this. and you're going to be very good at it, aren't yes. you, buddy? And he's rolling over already, everybody, so he's so advanced. So. <laughs> um, I think the reason I want to get him involved in, in some kind of competitive sport is because for me, when, when I got involved in running, it was one of those things that if you wanted to be good at running, you had to run. At, when it came to school and things like that, I, I definitely wouldn't have been considered a bloke with much discipline. I was a class clown. I'd always muck around. And most of that was because I feel like as a kid, I didn't really believe in the stuff that I was being told. Or in hindsight, I would look back at a lot of the stuff that I was learning, maybe in early high school, and be like, this is, I'm not interested in this. This is a really boring approach to learning. And I, I just had no discipline to rock up. So if you looked at me at school and you told one of my teachers, oh, Tyce is a very disciplined bloke, they would have laughed at you. But the reason they wouldn't have known that is because when I was out of school, my biggest passion was was running. And in order to be a competitive runner, you had to just rock up. You had to train. You had to uh, show up day in, day out. Like there's no there's no chance that you can be a competitive athlete uh, at the level that I was hoping to compete at without actually training, or even the level that I was competing at. Mm. And that's the I think discipline is is probably the biggest thing that I took away from it. It was like, all right, you're going to be rewarded to a certain extent for the amount of work that you put in. So I was always keen to make sure I look back at my career and could confidently say, hey, I did everything I knew how. Um, If there were certain things that I missed out on just because of lack of awareness, that's fine. But I feel like I can look back at my career now and I go, all right, I gave it probably 12 or 13 years of day in, day out, very consistent training. I was looking at diet, I was looking at running, I was looking at gym, I was looking at recovery. there were certain things like that, health issues that I was going through with my sinuses and allergies to dairy, which at the time we just had no idea. So I don't beat myself up about that. And I think there was there would have been a lot more that I could have done as an athlete had I been on top of that. But I would say that the biggest thing is is discipline. Yeah. Um, and it gets to, it, it's a different perspective. Discipline in a sport that you love is a different perspective because it teaches you to celebrate the hard work that you put in because quite often my best performances came after a certain amount of time of consistent training. And when you can see that this awesome result was a result of years of training, it, it just magnifies. You can't hide from the fact that there's benefits in, in just showing up and doing the work. Yeah, it has a compounding effect, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think Mark Blitzarves is a great example of a, of a runner who has transitioned because for, for better or worse, I think in the competitive sport of AFL footy here in Australia, there's, a, there's obviously a lot of athletes who train incredibly hard but there's a number of athletes who they get by natural ability, natural talent, and quite slack. And I always used to think, man, it'd be amazing if you could take every single AFL player and implant them with the mindset of, you know, nearly all elite runners, with the exceptions of a few, because I feel like there's a there's a certain 
level of discipline that goes above and beyond in the sport of distant running maybe because it's an individual sport i was gonna say is it because it's not a team sport you don't have that kind of motivation around you and people you know motivating you to get up and come to training and you're there to see your mates as well because it's a bit of a lonely sport isn't it i think that's what it is you have to be prepared to do things like like for example i think of when i think of you being disciplined i think of when we first got together and a couple of times uh you would um you know, we'd be out like really late on a Saturday night, but you were always up early on a Sunday morning for your two-hour big run. Mm. And um, no matter what, even if it was by yourself, and I think, you know, when you have to do things by yourself, that loneliness um, that running is, and I don't mean loneliness in a negative way. I mean, it's an individual sport, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that really brought a new kind of discipline where you don't have to rely on other people to be motivated. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. That's, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. It's one of those sports that if you really want to do well at it, you're going to have to just keep rocking up day in, day out. And in a sport like footy, and I think most footballers would agree, there's there's plenty of days where you can go out and you can have the worst game of your life. Like as an individual, you might get one touch and it was an inefficient disposal. Uh, you might have got you know tackled five times and just really had no impact, but your team can still win. And you can go into the club rooms and go, ah, oh, you know what? Like it was a it was a good win by our crew today. Whereas if you have the equivalent of those in any individual sport, but I guess for the sake of this conversation, running, um, if you have a bad day, there's no hiding at all on you. Uh, you can't you can't get to the end of a race and go, oh, I had a pretty good day, if you got absolutely smoked by a field that you thought you should have been competitive with, or ran a time way off what you knew you were capable of. So to go back to what I was saying about Blitz, just as an example of a, an Aussie guy who's transitioned from running into football, I think that individual mindset of just improvement and discipline that is the direct ticket in a lot of senses to an improvement in your performance can translate across to other sports and areas of life so well. Mm. So I would say that, yeah, discipline from running is 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 probably the biggest lesson which is transferred into other areas of my life which i'm sure any other athlete would agree with yeah so yeah self-discipline is a big one um that kind of motivation being self-motivated as well i hear you say yeah but um, it, it's interesting to say that though because i look at you and i would say that you're a pretty self-disciplined person in the things that you want to do well yeah and you you're not rooted in any particular sport yeah or... i didn't grow up really being passionate about sports like i was a bit more of a music nerd then you know but the same principle probably applies to music yeah that's probably true yeah um but interesting so you've got discipline and motivation is there anything else that like you think crosses over into into life beyond running that running's taught you yeah well i i running's all encompassing yeah so if you're speaking about you might be speaking about discipline as like a, a broad topic yeah, of conversation yeah. but then if you want to get into the nitty-gritties of like what does what does a good runner have to do or what should a good runner do? You should really be looking at things like, okay, let's talk discipline as a start point. Mm. Let's talk consistency, but let's also talk real practical stuff. Like let's talk about your diet. Uh, let's talk about your sleep. Yeah, it's a, it's a holistic thing, isn't yeah. it? Running is not just running. It's yep. going to be affected by the lack of sleep you're having or you know, yep. the diet that you're the food that you're consuming. So yeah. So I, I think to answer your question, I would, I would say that it's boiled down into a number of little tiny things like that. Um, as I said, yeah, there's recovery and there's diet and there's... It affects your whole lifestyle, doesn't it? It's almost like a lifestyle. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to really boil that down, you've got to say, okay, well, if my running's going poorly, why is it going poorly? And then you've got to ask yourself in a running sense, okay, what what's what's happening here? Why am I struggling? It might be that you're a, a teenager, you've just gone, gone through a bit of a growth spurt and your muscles haven't caught up. 
with the strength that they look like they should have in them. So you just, your stride is just inefficient and it's small. Or it might be that you've uh, been sick for the last couple of weeks and you're trying to go out and run at a level that you're just not capable of running because you just don't have the energy in your tank. Or maybe your diet's been off and you're just smashing too much sugar. So when you go out for a long run, your energy stores just aren't good. And so I think the cool thing is you can look at your running and you don't just go, why am I, why aren't I running well? Oh, it's because I'm a bad runner. Because that's, that's at, first of all, it's dishonest. And second of all, it leaves you with a lack of confidence that just doesn't need to be there. And then you transfer that across to running, uh, sorry, across to your day-to-day life. And that could mean anything. You go, okay, so uh, for example, I've been feeling really, I haven't, but just as an example, I've been fe- feeling really flat for the last couple of weeks. Um, I must have depression is a common response. And then you start going, oh yeah, well, I guess my, my family had depression or my dad was, uh, you, you know, you can, you can fill it in with these big blanket statements or you can say, how have I been sleeping? How was my? Have I been disciplined with the thoughts that I've been allowing myself to ruminate and focus on the last couple of weeks? Mm. Um, am I attaching too much emotion to these thoughts? So you can see, look okay, at the why behind it. Yeah, look at the why yeah. behind it. Don't just like throw some blanket over it. Like, oh, okay, I'm obviously just going through depression. I need a tablet. I need a tablet or whatever. Yeah. But really boil it down because I think if you can start to tweak a few of those things, maybe it's just that you haven't been spending enough time with friends. Maybe you haven't been eating well. Maybe you haven't been sleeping well. Maybe you. Um, I know that, that you're married to, to a rough me. bloke. <laughs> no, oh, you, <laughs> a rough, I didn't mean by, in that moment. By rough, by rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to edit rough. that part out. It sounds like a beat you up. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. No. But I was going to say, like, for me, like, I think that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Getting off track here, but no, no. I definitely felt felt like I was getting a bit depressed or just over it, and I thought it was a motherhood thing, and then I realised, hang on a minute look, it's lockdown. We've been, we weren't allowed to see people that we love. We were limited to what we could do. We were, you know, I was, I was getting cabin fever Mm -hmm. and that's what it was. But for me, it's so true that a lot of people in those situations go, Oh, I'm getting depression or I'm really, really, you know, mentally something's wrong. But if you look at the whole picture, it helps you make sense of the situation. It's so true. And it makes you feel so much better. I remember, yeah, you sort of, I feel like as soon as lockdown ended here in Melbourne, you were like, oh, I'm a a new new person. person. I was loving being a mum. (laughs) Yeah, and you hadn't mentioned to me anything about feeling a little bit rough or a little bit off. So when you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh. But then that's a perfect example of like a smaller thing that you can just uncover and filter through a little bit and go, oh, okay, it's such a bigger picture. Yeah. And I think that's so filled with hope as well. Like if if you can take that from any sport and just apply it into your life or vice versa, like how much hope is there in in that perspective rather yeah. than okay it must just be seeing this. the bigger picture is often things it's something yeah. that we're not doing enough of is it yeah so that was a really roundabout big long answer which is seems to be a little bit of a trait of mine to yeah. answer your question no, but yeah i yeah. think it makes no, sense good. um i i think for me like i i love listening to you talk about running like i know that you consciously don't take your phone often on a run is that right you yeah. don't like i know do you do that every run now I don't know. Yeah, whenever I run, usually. Yeah, and I think that's really like a big deal because, I mean, I'm tempted when I go and exercise to always have my headphones in because I don't have a lot of time to listen to what I want to listen to these days. So I'm like, I want to fill my mind while I exercise. You know, I want to do two things at once. I'm a bit obsessed with productivity. Mm -hmm. I'll admit I'm a... um, productivity obsessed person enneagram type three for those of you who know what the enneagram is (laughs) yes um and so like i know that it is tempting to always have something in your ears while you're running but what i love about you and you choosing to not take your headphones is it for you like running's not just a physical fitness but it's also um kind of um 
you're practicing mindfulness when you run. And so I wanted to go into that a little bit. Like for you, I've heard you say like, yeah, for me, um, running is a meditative experience. It's something where I can clear my head and not have to think and not be consuming. So how important is that to you at the moment? And why, where did that come from? Did like, was that just an idea that popped into your head? Mm. Um, Cause I mean, you watch people running around everywhere and everyone's always got headphones in. And I think it's, you know, in our culture today, it's harder and harder to silent your mind. It's harder and harder to turn off. There's so many things to watch and consume and books to listen to and podcasts. So, you know, it's ironic that we're recording a podcast and <laughs> a lot of these people um, listening today might be running while they listen to the running podcast. But um, yeah, why, why is that important to you? What kind of wanted to talk about mindfulness and running yeah well there's a i'll start by saying this i remember um ryan hall who is i want to say he's the american marathon record holder i'm not sure if that's true but either way he's run 205 for the marathon he's a freak when it comes to running uh he's a christian guy and he used to always say that for him his his running was his sanctuary so that's where we'd go out and, and I guess for lack of a better term, that was his, his place of worship. That was his place his just prayer. to say to the universe, like, yeah, my prayer, this is this is the thing that I do. This is what I was created to do. And he would go out and um, as a result, just while he was out there doing that thing, it was all he needed to be doing. And I thought that was a really cool perspective on, on running as a meditation, like to be out there and just knowing that you're doing something that you're created to be able to do. And it doesn't mean you have to run as fast as Ryan Hall. That thought sparked a lot of other thoughts in my mind. And I, I, it changed the way that I saw running. Because for, for a lot of my running career, running was just something that I had to do on my timetable. And it was almost like it was just another job to make sure that I was taking a step closer towards improving. Which is true. But I think running for me is far more than that. and it's Especially a, now that you're not competitive, right? It's a, more of a enjoyment thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, for me, as you said, like I've, I've been irritable this week and part of that is because I had a, a, an injection in my back on Monday which forced me to lay low. And I, I think when I was in Nepal in 2015, the uh, bloke that one of the Sherpas that I was working through the, walking through the Himalayas with said to me, um, he said one of the biggest problems that Westerners have is they have so much build-up of negative energy in their life and they've got nowhere to put it. They'll they'll take stress and anxiety and frustration and they'll go to work for 10 hours a day, yes. sit behind a computer, which is fine, but then come home, sit in front of the TV, go to bed, mm. repeat. Where he does goes, all that energy Where go? does that energy yeah. go? So he said the beauty about being a Sherpa over there is when I get stressed, he goes for the next eight hours every day, he would go out and he would just walk all day through nature. He would talk, he would burn off that negative energy. And he goes, by the end of the day, it was very rare for me to still feel frustrated. So... I really like that perspective because it changed my approach on like what it was that I was actually doing when I was running. So yeah, um, when I was competitive, I was training. Now that I'm not competitive, I'm still training, but it's it's actually a place for me just to get rid of that energy. It's a place for me to go out and breathe a little bit and focus on just what's around me. And, and the reason I've been a little bit more disciplined lately with not taking headphones and stuff on runs is because, as you said, I feel like there's an obsession in our culture and one that I definitely notice in myself to to want to be constantly connected. Like, mm. as any person who's trying to improve themselves would do, you want to take up every possible moment of your day to, to get a little bit more knowledge or a little bit more wisdom or a little bit more info or stay up to date with politics or stay up to date with mm. insert whatever it is. And there's just a, there's an endless list of, of things that you could fill that with so for me it's almost a little bit of an act of defiance to yes. to um like let that ground life fallow just to, yes. to let my brain recover to let my body just get away from it and i, I try to just structure in my into my day 
And I was saying this to you the other day, just 60 minutes where I'm completely disconnected. That means I'm not watching TV, I'm not listening to music, I'm not on my phone, I'm just I'm just there with my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I'd been ignoring for too long, but something that adds a, a lot of value to um, to my own life. So it's a... Yeah, it's strange because there's people thousands of years ago, like Seneca, who was a Stoic, uh, I think he might be from like a thousand years ago, he was talking about how there's just too much to do during your day, like there's too many distractions. So this idea of social media and stuff being the new distraction, it is, but the idea of people being distracted from what's really important is not a new concept. No, for thousands of years. So I feel like I'm trying to take that, that. yeah, Yeah. I'm trying to take that baton a little bit and go, okay, like what is the best use of my time? Because... If someone asks, I say, oh, my family's the best use of my time. I want to hang with my wife. I want to hang with my kids. I want to blah, blah, blah. But then you look at the way I live and you're like, all right, so why did you spend four hours on Instagram today yeah. rather than spend any time with, with your wife and, and little Charlie? And you know? that's why I think uh, something you're really good at is making sure your priorities are your priorities. And I know that for you, you have your top five. And I don't know if you want to talk about them, but I know that that's something that you constantly come back to and you're making sure, actually, I say that these five things are my priorities, but is that what my time's going into? Is that what my money goes to? Is that where, does it, if someone looked at my life, does it actually look like I care about those five things? Mm. Because it's easy to say I have five priorities in my life, but then go look at, you know, YouTube for five hours and, and, but you know, at the end of the day, you haven't even talked to your wife kind of thing. And she was one of your priorities. So like, I know that that's something that you're really disciplined in, um, is checking on your priorities. And I I love that about you. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I mean, we've gone a little bit off track again. No, it's good. It's fine. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I think that's really great. And I was going to go on to, um, talking about, you know, we're all caught up, you know, we're almost always on this wheel, running, 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 um, and always consuming something. Um, how important is rest to you when it comes to physical fitness? Because I know that back when you were a bit younger, even when I knew you at the start, you probably struggled to have a rest day or when you had two weeks off a year, that was really hard for you. Um, and as a family, we sort of, um, we're not, we're not always great at it every week, we'll admit, but mm. we've been trying to practice that idea of Sabbath, of like the Jewish religion. They um, have a day where they switch off and we don't you know, consume and we turn off our screens. And I think that's been really good for us as a family. Something that we want to instill into our kids is to learn to switch off and not always be consuming. But how important is it as an athlete to rest? Like, Because I think a lot of athletes um, that... I've known over the years and you've known are probably a little bit obsessed with more, more, more. So what's the importance of stopping and going, okay, there's always more I can do, but I'm going to switch off and have a rest day. I'm going to have a couple of weeks rest over Christmas. What What's the power of that? Yeah, that's good. While I answer this question, can you go put a towel in that door? Because it's going to do my head in. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard, sorry for those of you listening, we're down at my mum's house here in Gippsland and uh, there's just random doors that have opened and the wind's blowing in the house and every now and then there's a, like a door slamming um, so, and I'm, I'm super fussy when it comes to background sound, so I'm going to fix that up. So the question was how important is, uh, rest when it comes to, yeah, you know, improvement or when it comes to being a, a, a performer in the sport that you're in. So I would say obviously rest is, it's incredibly important for the sense that, um, I love the idea that when you go to the gym and you're lifting weights, you actually, you're essentially, and there's scientists that are going to be able to critique exactly what I'm saying, but essentially you're you're killing elements of your muscle. You're breaking down that muscle. The muscle is actually getting weaker in that moment because it's starting to break down. And in order for that muscle to actually grow, you, you not only have to replace the, the you know the, the nutrients that have been stripped of it as it's worked, but you also have to allow that the time just to be able to build back and recover so that when you come back, that strength can actually develop. 
And I think that's a, a really forgotten thing in a culture which in many senses is like, let's go, let's go, let's go, hustle, 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 that Gary V style of, of business where it's just like there's no time to rest. Make sure you're always on, you're up at four, you're up till 12. It's, I get it because I feel like a real drive to want to do it. But I, I also think that I'm a, I'm a really big fan of, of not only allowing myself to flourish as an athlete, but allowing myself to flourish as a person. And, and I don't think you flourish as a person when you're getting by on a lack of sleep and you're exhausted, not thinking clearly, and it might have its place from time to time. But I think it's too often become the norm in a culture that's just about like career advancement and about more money and about, you know, just for whatever reason, a lot of people can't even answer why they want more money. It's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a game, essentially. We're just in this big game. Mm-hmm. So I like this idea of, of taking rest, not only on a physical sense to allow my body to recover, but at, almost as a, as a stance of resistance, as a thing to say, okay, there's, there's bigger meaning in my life than just hustle. Yeah. There's bigger meaning in my life than just getting more, more done. You're more than what you do, aren't you? That's what that's saying. It's like sort of making a point that um, I'm not defined by how many Ks I run. I'm not defined by how much work I do or how much money I make. 100%. 100%. And I think that's something that if you're not cautious to take the time to think about, you can quite easily forget. Um, so, yeah, there's a book that you recommended to me years ago called Sabbath is Resistance. And it's it's a resistance to the way that the rest of the so much of the rest of the world operates, and yeah. um, it's it's hard. Like I know on those days of rest, and this is it, this sort of crosses over two paths, which is interesting because running such a nice metaphor for the rest of life, so it's appropriate. But um, it, you know, there's a Sabbath as resistance. It's runners are amazing at training harder and doing more and doing more and doing more and doing more until they break. What a lot of runners who want to be good at suck at is taking that time to actually allow that work to absorb because they feel like they're in such a hurry to get to where they dream of being that if they can just train a little bit harder for a little bit longer then they're going to get there. Unfortunately, in many cases, the opposite's true. Um, there's plenty of physios who we've had on and, uh, and also listen to this podcast who would who would also tell you that rest is that, that place where the recovery happens, where you can put your feet up, you allow that work, work to absorb, you don't be in such a rush. Um, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, no, that's a does good that make point. sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I talk totally a lot, babe. No, that's good. I know you do. <laughs> that's what I love about you. Um, you know, I. You got stuck, didn't you? you might need to just cut. This <laughs> I'm not cutting out. it out. We're going. Oh. What do you think? Which questions are you looking I'm at looking there? At my, I just think it would be cool to end on just a, the question of, um, like, people in your life. I know Joe was a huge. Um, huge influence on your running. Yeah, that's Joe Carmody, Joe Carmody. My, my old coach. Yeah, yeah, and he he lived and breathed it, and he was just an amazing guy. I never met Joe, but from what I've heard about Joe, he had a huge impact on your career. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to boil it down to like maybe three things that or pieces of advice with your running that helped you to, um, you know, maybe maybe it shifted your mindset, maybe it just gave you a new perspective on your running. Maybe it was just a technique thing. What we what would be your three top pieces of advice that you received that help you as helped you as a runner? Um, they don't have to be like big vague ideas. They could be really specific. But yeah, can you think any of um, any off the top of your head? Yeah, well, I people think people that spoke into your life or had something to say about that. Yeah, it's actually a good question. One we hadn't planned, but the idea of this conversation being a relaxed running conversation a relaxed conversation it it crosses over beautifully because i think 
well, the first answer is is relax when you run. Mm. You're big on that, and that's obviously it's yeah. influenced the name of your whole business. Exactly, but and I, I think so. That was advice that Joe Carmody was was very big on. He was he would not tolerate a poor technique, and the reason he wouldn't accept a poor technique is because he knew that if you wanted to run well, you had to run efficiently. If you wanted to use your energy well, you had to run efficiently. Don't run like a, a buffalo. buffalo. <laughs> that was a, which is which is. That, <laughs> You can tell that story if you want to. Okay, I'll tell it quickly. A couple okay. of years ago, Jesse just Jesse doesn't come from a running background. Not at all. And when Not she when we got together, um, just naturally she started to do a little bit of running. And we we until you were pregnant, really, we were doing weekly sprint sessions through London and through Melbourne yeah. and wherever we were, we'd just do that hills sprints. One day we were down at a track here in Melbourne, and Jesse and I had just finished a session, and uh, a great bloke, I know, I've forgotten his name, but he was a running coach. <clears throat> he came up to Jesse. And he's like, hey, I noticed you're, you're working really hard during those sprints. Jesse goes, yeah, it was really hard. He goes, look, next time I want you to, I want you to think deer, not buffalo. And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you just look really heavy. And I just love smack my confidence. I just love oh. the fact that you just inspired up this image of a buffalo as you were sprinting. Uh, all of the listeners are like, how does she run? Like, she must look like. I'll post a video on my Instagram page real soon. <laughs> You actually look good when you run. Thanks, Josh. I think you're just trying hard. But I think you're being nice. Yeah. He was giving me the truth. We'll let these guys vote. No, yeah. I, so I, think deer, not buffalo. I think that, yeah, yeah. So, so relax. The, the reason we say relax is because uh, our first reaction in any exercise, whether it's yoga or whether it's gym or whether it's running, is when the going gets tough, we forget to breathe, we tighten up and everything just gets tense. But when you're yeah. tense, oxygen doesn't flow around your body as effectively. Yeah. I think that's what you taught me first thing. I remember the first day, sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. the first day you took me out for a run, I think I did 200 meters and I was like, I'm puffed. And you're like, just concentrate on your breathing and relax your shoulders. Because we just we just don't know how to do that, do we? Unless we're told. Yeah. 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 So I think if you wanted to boil that down even further, if you were trying just to hold your breath, and you are holding your breath, sprinting as far as you could, you're not going to be able to hold your breath sprinting for as long as you can if you're holding your breath just sitting on a couch relaxing. Why is that? Because your body's requiring more oxygen. So mm-hmm. like, it's a very intricate detail that if you're using the energy poorly when you're running, that's just a misuse of, exercise, uh, a misuse of oxygen, um, which over the course of you know, 400 meters, 800, 5K, 10K marathon, it's going to have a huge impact. So relax is a, is a really huge one for me. Insert here if you want to hear more about breathing. Listen to Tyson's podcast with James Nestor. It was really oh, good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he actually is a gun. Yeah. Or even better, listen to James Nestor on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised I was so out of my depth. He's such a. Oh no, you know good. that's good. good. I should Too edit that part out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second part, I, I think, enjoy the process is a cliche for a reason. I I'm really critical on cliches, but I also see why they have their their part, um, have their place because. Uh, Enjoy the process is essentially saying, look, it doesn't matter how much you stress about how quickly or, or what you're improving, it doesn't change the pace of your improvement. It doesn't make a difference to the pace of your improvement. So I think a lot of us, we think, oh, okay, if we just stress and worry and put a bit more pressure on ourselves to improve, then we'll get where we want to go quicker. I, I tend to disagree. I think that just makes the process of our improvement really unenjoyable. Um, so if you could just try and enjoy the process a little more, that's a really good thing. That's just a life skill too, not just for runners out there. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the process wherever you are. Yeah. And I think the third one, which is which ties in beautifully, perhaps even just a, it's like a sub point of the second one, is stop attaching so much emotion. Um, I think that uh, Dan Leanne, who was a, a pastor at a church that we used to go to, he was a he was a sick preacher, and he used to always get up and he would talk about. Um, to young young preachers here to go hey don't get too arrogant when your message goes well but don't beat yourself up too bad when the message goes bad because either way that's all about you 
and I think what stands out to me about that is um, if we, when we attach too much emotion to the outcome or the responses of other people, like we're just we're just roller coasters of emotion all through the day. When when we're running fast, we're really happy. When we're running bad, we're really sad. Stuff living like that. There's going to be ups and downs in um, in the journey of, of running. So the idea of, of not attaching emotion. So what I mean by that is just let the emotion, it, it's, I guess, a bit of a Buddhist philosophy, is let the emotion arise and just watch it disappear. The emotion can still happen, but just don't try and don't fight so that emotion. Don't be so too. judgmental of yourself. Yeah, yeah, and the emotion, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, don't judge the emotion. Like, the emotion comes. It doesn't make mean that you are that. Or, yeah. 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 What about you? Like I know, just oh, to throw, yeah. you've just thrown that at me, so I'm going to throw it back to you. What, me. what would you say is a lesson? So I know you're not a competitive runner, but you're competitive. Not, but you're a bit of a sports sports girl yourself. You can swim, you can run. Is there anything that that I've missed out? Um, that- my number one tip is if you do a triathlon, make sure your wheels are pumped up. There you go. <laughs> you have to tell that story. No, nah, just that's my only real sports stories i did a triathlon once and afterwards my dad was waiting for me at the end and Tass, where were you were you in nepal i was in no i was in tassie oh you were in I tassie. Had a race in tassie um yeah and tad's like oh we were waiting for you for ages i was like behind everybody i thought i'd trained pretty hard for this race you had you were fit I, I was fit and just couldn't get there and just everyone was beating me and then realized at the end of the race that my tire was pretty much flat <laughs> yeah um oh, no but so i don't funny. have i don't think i have like top tips for sport because right. i just yours were good ditto yeah sweet no yeah, that's, that's good a lot of what you've said there you've taught me which i appreciate so thank you to us it is fun um from one you know being married to a very um competitive and sporty kind of person that's subjective competitive mm, not really very good looking you know stop it stop it fun. that's going to be the intro um, to this episode <laughs> <laughs> i don't usually blow his tires up this much um Okay, so anyway, moving on. Great podcast, Tyce. I'm glad that we got to sit down, and I think that that's given people a little bit more of an insight into you and why you run. And was what it you actually love a great running. podcast? Are you just being arrogant because you were on it? Oh yeah, we all know it's because I was on it. <laughs> um, I'll admit I don't listen to all your podcasts, so I wouldn't. Babe, know. No, actually, be honest, have you ever listened to any of these? Yes, podcasts? I've listened to a few of them. Apart from when I was recording them, and you can just overhear it from the bedroom. Have you actually pressed play on any of these podcasts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll end it there. I listen to a lot of them. In fairness, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. I hear a lot of them. Okay, so, there's a difference between okay, there's a difference now. between being subjected to it and actually listening to it, guys. <laughs> thank you for stopping by, babe. Thanks for coming on. That was good fun. Good questions. Very well done. Sweet. That was good. That was cool.